This episode is brought to you by AWOM Lab. AWOM Lab is a creative space that offers membership for women entrepreneurs. The membership includes access to a cafe, high-speed Wi-Fi, a small retail store, and a full-service photography and podcast studio. The Lab fosters women's empowerment and is designed to inspire, motivate, and connect women in South Florida. AWOM Lab also has an in-house creative agency that develops content for female-owned brands. Most importantly, the vibe and energy is that of collaboration and hustle. So if you're an entrepreneur looking to kickstart your business, and need a place to work from or event space, make sure to follow AWOM Lab on Instagram. That's A-W-O-M-L-A-B. GGB is a proud member and we can't wait to see you at the lab. See you there. Girls Gone Boss is a driven women's guide to love, life, and business. Hosted by the boss ladies Alex and Gabby. Combined, their network gathers an array of women from various industries who exemplify strength and tenacity. Their fun and positive approach to life will awaken the boss in you. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. Natasha DeRusso is the VP of Talent Relations at BET Networks. She leads her team in the development and execution of talent strategy and initiatives for the network's current series, live events, social, digital, and international departments, and she also manages relationships with internal and external stakeholders on behalf of BET. Natasha has 14-plus years of experience in the entertainment industry, working for Warner Brothers, Sony, New Form, and Nickelodeon. Welcome, Tasha. Hey, Tasha. Hi. Hello, ladies. I heard this is your first podcast. First podcast ever. I'm oh, excited. well, we're about to pop a little cherry. We have a lot of cherries around here. <laughs> a lot of people have had their first podcast with us. Full disclosure, I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm nervous. But don't be nervous. Maybe we should have brought wine for Tasha. Oh, damn, we should have. Damn, next time, next time. But don't be nervous. Be yourself. This is just like a conversation we're having. Our listeners love to hear from very powerful women, and you're one of them. And the great thing is that we're going to kick off this episode on Black History Month. Yay. So yeah. celebrating culture and, you know, just celebrating beautiful people, beautiful and empowering women like yourself. So wonderful. Love it. Start. All things about that. Well, I want to just um, have you just explain what, you know, your journey has been. Maybe go back to young Tasha and who she was, how she even got involved in like entertainment or even liking entertainment. I know you're originally from Miami, so big shout out to you. Yeah, Woo-hoo. 305. Um quiet I was really quiet as a as a young girl like not super introverted which I'm still introvert I'm borderline introvert extrovert but as a kid I was obsessed with television and movies and all things sci-fi and music and fashion and all that stuff but I never really thought that I could have a career in that so I always pursued other things as a kid so I took you know, science classes to eventually become a doctor or a physical therapist. And then I got into laws like, oh, I can do like international law or whatever. But again, entertainment was never anything that I thought I was ever going to actually have a career in. Um, It wasn't until after college, I was here in Miami working, had a totally different career. I was a analyst for a health insurance company, number crunching, spreadsheets, all this stuff, completely miserable. And I kept thinking, what do you love? What is your passion? What makes you excited? And the only things that came up was movies, TV, music, fashion. So I have an aunt that's in the business. And I was just like, you know, because in my mind, again, I never wanted to be in front of the camera. 
never wanted to do that. So that, again, the only other thing that I knew, that's what you did. If you want to be in entertainment, you have to be an entertainer. So I packed up my car, packed up my stuff, left my job, and trekked cross country with no idea what that meant. No but, idea where I was going to go. But did your aunt live in New York? She and lived that, in LA, actually. Oh, okay. So you went to LA. Yeah. I kept going back and forth. And every time I went back, it always just kept calling me. But your aunt, I mean, we have to share who your aunt is. I mean, we can share. Yes. I mean, she's, I mean, everybody has to know her, especially if you grew up around our age. Um, she was part of Martin, right? No, wait. Jamie Foxx show. Jamie Foxx show. Yes. My bad. No worries. Um, Garcelle Beauvais. So, oh, yes. She's Haitian. Yeah. You're Haitian. Yes. Oh my God. Everyone's Haitian. Oh, I love Haitian food. You got, you guys have the best food. Thank you. We do. So she was, you know, she was the one in the bit, like in the family that kind of, and we were like, great. But again, she was in front of the camera. I still had no idea what, you know, like anything behind the scenes. And I have a cousin who's a makeup artist and I was like, yeah, but she's our, you know, let's makeup. What else? Can, like, I'm not any of those things. Um, so anyway, drove to L.A. And I said, okay. So this is right after college, you said? After you had that job that you weren't happy Yeah, with? I mean, I had finished college and I started working and I was there for maybe like four or five, like five years. Almost had pension. I was moving up the ranks too within the company. And then I just sat at my desk one day and I was just like, this can't be the end. This cannot this can't be, be like, for yeah, that's the rest of my life. This mm-hmm. can't be the rest of my life. Like there's, like my heart isn't here. And um yeah, and everybody thought I was crazy. Everybody thought I was crazy. They were like, why are you leaving? You have such a great job, your career, you're growing. And then everybody's just like, what are you going to do in L.A.? I was like, I have no idea. Who do you know? I mean, one person, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, and um, literally knew no one um, and just took a chance. Took a leap of faith. Totally took a leap of faith and got my first industry job working as a production assistant on a movie called After the Sunset. Brett Ratner was directing, Sama Hayek and Pierce Brosnan were stars. And I still didn't know what that meant. I was just like, great, I'll work in the office. What do you need me to do? And that's kind of like, that was my first gig. And that was like two weeks after it started and I was in the office. I didn't know LA, but I had to find grocery stores. I had to figure out how to stop. I didn't know how to, I don't know how to make coffee, but I had to figure out how to make coffee. I knew how to make photocopies and spreadsheets, and that was pretty much it. Everything else, I was learning on the go, and I just walked in the door like I knew what I was doing. How did you get that job? Because out of all the people that are out in L.A. trying to get jobs, like, what do you think made them, like, say, Tosh as our girl? So, granted, having my aunt and then her husband at the time basically took my resume <clears throat> Sent it out to people that they knew. And then people were just like, oh, I'll meet her. I'll just have an informational with her. And one of them happened to be the producer of that movie. And he's just like, all right, well, she can work on my movie. And that's kind of how it's great. Yeah. And then so that is where that started for me. And then after that was every other job was because somebody who I'd worked with was like, you should know this person. Right. Your network connections. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think. Us, all of us coming from entertainment, that's how it mm-hmm. works. Yeah, no, 100%. So um, it's so important to foster those relationships and, and just, you know, just make sure that you kind of like represent correctly wherever you go because you just never know. No, you absolutely never. And I would tell people, I mean, I learned this early on, like your next job is predicated probably through the people that you're working with in that current situation. And so if you're awful, 
you may not get that. And it may not even be the next job, but it could be like three jobs down the line. And they're just like, oh, I know somebody that worked on that movie that's on your resume or that show or that production company. I'm going to ask such and such. And they're just like, oh, she was horrible. Right. Like, you don't. Nasty attitude. Da, da, da. Like, that's it. You're, you're done. Right. You don't, you don't get burn that. your yeah. bridges. You always do a good right. job. Because you never. Yeah, you're right. You never know where that next check is going to come from. Absolutely. And people remember. If you oh. do a bad job, people will remember you. Oh, yes. Absolutely. So. And so that's kind of like how my journey started. Um, it wasn't easy, but that was like the beginning. And then. What were some of those obstacles? I mean, aside from being away from home. Young and away from you were living with your parents, I would assume here in Miami or um before I left, yeah, I had to, when I decided, yeah, I started, I was like, I gotta save money. So I was exactly living and then the cost of living from Miami to Los Angeles, it's two different worlds. So realizing that, oh, I don't have disposable income. I can't just get my nails done whenever I want to. We can't just go out and eat whenever you want to. So that was a whole culture shock for me. And then I took a pay cut because after I left that movie, I got a job at Warner Brothers uh, Television working in production. And it didn't pay much, but I knew I needed that job to get to continue getting in the door. And they worked on, I mean, Warner Brothers at the time produced more TV shows than any other studio. So I was just like, this is where I got to be. Um, so... It was challenging and not knowing anybody. So for me, I had to learn how to be my own best friend and be okay with that. Also leaving someplace like Miami where I knew everyone. I can go anywhere I knew it. And then to go someplace where I was basically starting from ground zero, knowing no one, didn't know the city, constantly getting lost. Um, Did you find also obstacles? I mean, I lived in L.A. in... Just people. Yeah, relationship. I guess the misconception of LA is that people only talk to you if like they know you can do something for them. I mean, or you know, just like the two faced. That that's kind of that is true. I mean, there's that's that's. I mean, it might be a misconception, but there is there's some truth to that. There are people like that. Um, that was a that was a thing, and um, also, yeah, trying to find my my group and my core and a nucleus of friends and. Like, I'm a girl's girl, like, as much as I am a guy's girl. But, like, I am, like, I need girlfriends. And to find that was a journey and to find people that I felt like were genuine and all of that. So all of that built into trying to survive and to be present at work was were all happening my first year. Wow. And, and it was project-based. So, like, once a film was done, that's it. You had to find something else, right? right? Until I got that job at Warner Brothers, and that was more steady. Uh, we're, we're, like, in the corporate side of production. So we've covered an X amount of shows. And then soon after working there, they almost realized, like, oh, she's smart. And, and then they it started to piece together, like, wait, you had another job before you moved here? Because... Again, I don't look my age, so... You don't, girl. <laughs> what are you using on that skin? You know, so... <laughs> black don't crack. Um, <laughs> you know, but, like, I... Um, you know, so I walked in the door. So they just kind of bundled me with, like, all the 22-year-olds that had just graduated college. And so they were speaking to me at some... And then after a while, I was just like, uh, pause. I know how to do all of this stuff. Like, I know how to create a spreadsheet. If you show me how to do this, I can figure it out. And then it quickly became a thing. And I remember working for an executive where he wouldn't really give me the higher, there was a higher position open and he didn't want to give it to me. And so I said, that's okay. So I started looking for other work on the lot and people were actually interested. And when he realized that I was 
being, and I had to tell, I was like, by the way, I'm interviewing for other positions, just so you know, so it's not a surprise if I'm no longer working here. And I remember the next day he comes into the office and he says, so if I give you this position to be the administrator, which is kind of like a coordinator, you have to promise you can't leave for a year. And I said, fine, as long as you can give me more money and you make sure that I can stay here for a year. Absolutely. And that's really how that came about. And then I was there for like three and a half years, helped basically learning and running his office and dealing with 50 million shows that we did every year, plus pilots. And and at that moment, you felt like, okay, I'm where I'm supposed to be. Like, you feel that excitement. Of- Absolutely. And then I felt a little more secure because then I knew like, okay, this is my job. Like, I have a job that I can honestly say that I have and I go to every day. So that made me feel like I was one step in the right direction and the move and the crying and the, I don't want another peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> you know, all of that was worth it. Like in that moment. Wow. Cause the struggle was real. Oh, I was eating seriously peanut, but I literally that first year I would allot $20 a week and I'd have to pick a day when I would treat myself to something outside, like to eat outside. But $20 was my budget. Manny and Petty was like once a month for someone like me who was used to getting them. But I would say like, okay, we're going to do it once a month. If I wanted to, I didn't have cable. So I had, I like extended my Blockbuster. This is dating myself (laughs) because it no longer exists anymore. But I had a Blockbuster account. And then they were just like, if you change your, and this is right around the time that Netflix had just started doing their delivery service. So they were kind of in competition. So Blockbuster had this new thing where you can rent movies same day and then you can constantly just come. And so I ended up doing that. So that was my entertainment. It was maybe like $10 or $15 a month. Like I was like nickel and diming my life coming from never really just being able to do what I wanted to do. Shop. I couldn't buy shoes. I couldn't buy clothes. Like... That was all like, okay, we're just going to be a grown-up about this. But you knew you were in the on the journey. No, but I knew, but this was worth yeah, it. It was worth it. It was worth it. You were on the way. Absolutely. So and I felt it. like I had something to prove to everybody who told me I was making a mistake. Which was your family? No, others. Friends? Other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My family actually was just great. They, my dad and my mom actually were just like, listen, if this is what you want to do, have a plan, do it. As long as you can take care of yourself and you're happy, that's fine. And that's really like they they my mom was really supportive and she's just like, Yeah, you should get out of here because you've outgrown this place and I think LA would be good for you. So yeah. That's beautiful because that's so important to have your support of your family. Yeah. And, and so then it took you to Sony after? Yeah. So Warner uh, so when Warner was done, I ended up working so my journey was so I went production and then I had an opportunity to work for an executive producer. And that exposed me to the whole creative side of the business because I knew the production side. So this was now the creative side. So just to clear it up for our listeners, so the production side would be like more on the budget and... Budgets, how, you know, crew, you know, lighting, all that stuff, like that part of it. And then actually show getting made, right? This was now an opportunity to sit in the writer's room and with the executive producer and the writing staff. And I was in that environment. And so that was new to me. And I was just like, well, yeah, I'll try that because I don't know what the process is for that. Maybe this is something I might want to explore one day. So I 
jumped into that for a year. And what show was this? It was for a show called Men in Trees. It was written by Jenny Bix, who was also like a co-EP on Dawson's Creek, um, Sex in the City, She Felicity. She's a really well-talented, great writer. So I worked in with her, and it was interesting to see that whole world because, like I said, I just even the whole idea of how they would conceptualize an episode and the storyline and up to like this person should be wearing this kind of a sweater and knit and like to that granular in details right, of like to create a mood or like a feeling yeah no it is i mean we've all worked in television so and just also seeing like how an idea begins first like as a pilot and then if it goes well and then it turns into a full series yeah. right yep so, and just seeing all the, like, the Bibles, which exactly. the show Bibles, right. I mean, it's basically uh, just everything that takes to make that show into this one big folder. They yeah. call it a Bible. And it's basically, like, from production to the crew to the... Story arc, per script, characters. And it's everything yeah. that you can possibly think of. So if someone wants to recreate the story or, like, do it, they can just grab that. And it's just kind of like a guide. Yeah, exactly. Which I didn't know about that till I worked with Michael Dagnery. Okay, in, yeah. And he was, like, in, uh, he was a VP of development. So it was... He lived off of right. Bibles. Yeah. So it's very interesting side of... No, absolutely. Business. It's completely different. Different mindset different pulse, different energy. So that was interesting to see that world because I was just like, oh. And so this is your first time too coming in contact with talent per se, no? Yeah, you could sort of and not because I had one a funny story, yes, potentially, for it. maybe potentially or interesting <laughs> story. There was a show um, where we had, and this is probably, see, this is my, maybe like, Maybe this was like some, but then they realized that, oh, you're actually good with people. Um, <laughs> you could do this. So there was a situation where there was an actor who partially signed a contract, made an agreement to do this show. And then another actor was brought in afterwards. And then he proceeded to say, well, if this person's doing it, I'm not doing this anymore. It was petty like that. And then, but the studio was just like, uh, no, you can't back out because you don't like this individual. That's why it's called acting. And by the way, this is actually perfect because in the series, you two don't really like each other. So this is going to be easy for you to like navigate this. Anyway, so he was being complicated, complicated, complicated. And then the legal team basically was kind of sending a, if you back out, we are going to sue you X amount of dollars for our time, blah, 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 blah. So instead of the legal team going, they called me and said, we're sending Natasha to bring the contract to his house and you're going to sit and wait till he signs everything. And I thought, why me? They're just like, you're likable. I was just like, really? I don't know. I don't really like talking to people. <laughs> I don't know. So literally I showed up at his house and he was the nicest man, by the way. I would say I walked in. He's like, oh. They sent you. Interesting. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I guess. And then he says, well, come on in. He had me sit on his couch. He offered me something to drink. And then he chit-chatted with me for like 35 minutes. I go back to the lot. Handed, it was like, how was it? I was like, he was awesome. <laughs> he was so nice. Wow. He was a, And that was kind of like the beginning of me having to interface with talent. But again, not connecting it to anything. 
that you were going to be doing in the future on a daily basis. Never. But, but you didn't finish a story. Did he stay on the show or yes, not? Yes, he did okay, stay on the show. <laughs> yes, he did. And he showed up for work the following week on time for his first uh, first day. Great. So, yeah. Good job, Tasha. See? So then, okay, so that was your first time with talent. And then, but then as you're working here with, yeah, on the creative side, then that's really when you see them more. In, a little bit, a but it, no? it was, but it wasn't, again, it wasn't like, I'd never, re- I honestly didn't, at that time, I didn't even know what talent relations was. I didn't even know that was a job. I didn't know it was a career. I then left. So the writer's strike happened and that screwed everybody. And so basically we finished the series and then the network ABC decided, okay, we're not going to bring the show back. And then we were done with it. And then I kind of had an opportunity to either go with her on her next project. And then at the time, um, CAA was looking. So I had already had several interviews with them. And so I was close. And then I had this opportunity to work in marketing for Sony Image, um, Sony Pictures Image Works slash Sony Pictures Animation. And I thought, well, this isn't, and again, this is interesting. I don't know anything about animation and, and you know, visual effects. I'm going to try this thing out. So I said no to everything else and took a, ch- you know, chance on this job. And it was an interesting experience for me for that year. I learned a lot, but I also knew that this wasn't the space for me. It just, it didn't flow. It's a slow process. You know, you can announce a project and it doesn't get released for two years because just the technicalities of doing visual effects and animation, it just takes a long time. So Sony, when I was there, it was great in terms of like I got to experience marketing and and learning that side of the business. But I also knew that this still wasn't right for me. And so all this time now, this is now I'm like years in and I still haven't found my niche. How many years in L.A. already? Um, like five now. I'm pretty much like five or six years in. So now at this point, I knew we're here. But this is where I'm going to be. This is where I'm going to be. I know I want to be in the business, but what does that mean for me? Because I know I don't want to be a writer because that's not my thing. I don't want to work in production because I don't want to be on set for 17 hours every day. And I thought I was going to be a line producer. I was like, no, actually, I don't want to do that at all. So all these things that I had already like figured out realizing, not for me, not for me, not for me. So I reached a point when I was there like, okay. What's I ha- I really need to figure this out. I don't know what this is. And and every other day I'm hearing like friends like, oh, I know what I'm doing. And then they go full force into it. And then it was just like fascinating to see people find their passion. So probably much like a year in at Sony, um, I saw this job posting for an assistant to the SVP of talent at Nickelodeon. I saw this job for like a month and I, I just kept seeing it come up on all these different boards. And I would never apply. Then finally, I was just like, whatever. Submitted my resume. Never thought I was going to get called for it because I never worked in talent. And at that time, too, I was not interested in working in talent. My whole philosophy was I don't want to talk to people. I don't want to have to deal with actors. I don't want to interface with them. That's not my thing. Keep me back here. Let me do some other stuff. The introvert, right. Yeah. Keep me back here. I can be creative. I can be analytical, but like, I don't need to do all this interfacing. Um, So 
it was right around, I remember it was right around Christmas, right, um, I was supposed to get on a flight. I remember the airline messed up, overbooked. So they were just like, we had to book you on a later flight. Didn't tell me. So I already drove to the airport. It's like five in the morning. So I'm tired. <laughs> so I get to the airport and then it's now like six and I'm just like, I don't understand what's going on. This whole back and forth. Finally, they were just like, we actually have you on a 9 p.m. flight. Yeah. That's a long wait. That is a long wait. That's not wait. just like a later flight. No, You're no. You're saying so like. That's a whole, that's a different, that's a day, yeah, right? Yeah. So now I'm annoyed. So I get home, drop my bags, and I'm complaining. I'm calling my mom. I'm calling my girlfriend. I'm calling everybody. Like, this is so dumb. I can't believe it. They messed up. Da, 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 da. So in the process of that, I get a call. Hey, we're doing interviews. Are you available today to come in? So I said, sure, but I'm supposed to be leaving on a flight soon. So if you're going to do this, I need it to be between these hours. (laughs) (laughs) Your conditions. Okay. (laughs) So they were like, sure, no problem. Fine. So I come in and then it's like taking a long time. And there's all these people, these people here. And I'm just like, whatever. So I'm kind of like checked out because all I keep thinking about is I really need to get back because now we're hitting, it's like three, four o'clock in the afternoon. And all I keep thinking about is like, I got to get home and deal with LA traffic to get to the airport. So I meet with two executives and they're asking me a ton of questions that have nothing to do with the job or about my experience, but they're asking me really random questions. And so I'm answering, but again, I'm very nonchalant about it because I'm kind of like, I don't really care. I leave for the holidays. Next thing I know, I come back and I get a call. We want you to meet with the executive that you'd be working for. I was like, what? Oh, that little interview we had that I totally bombed because I was not focused. Okay. So cut to, I meet, um, she's now the EVP of um, talent and events for Nickelodeon. But I met with Shelly, Shelly Sumter-Gilliard. And we talked. We just had a conversation. And then we just kept chit-chatting, chit-chatting. And at the end, she was just like, hmm. I fucks with you. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, so you working? And I was just like, yeah, you know, but I'm looking for other stuff. And then I, had the, I remember I was meeting with Lifetime and I was meeting with other networks. And she's like, okay, well, don't say yes to anything until we've talked again. I was like, all right, fine. Mind you, in my mind, I was just like, I just need to get out of this current situation because it's not fitting for me, so I need to find something else. So I get a call. She wants you to work for her as her assistant. I was like, great. I give my two weeks. I start. I knew nothing about talent relations, and then I find out that my window to learn was really, really short because it was six weeks before the Kids' Choice Awards. So that whole department was on high alert, ramped up, energy. So I stepped in as a new person trying to learn this, but then also navigate the craziness that was happening. And then she said to me, like, once we get closer to the show and everyone's trying to like, okay, this is what you need to do. Okay, fine. And she's like, so you're going to work with the host of the show. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? You're just going to make sure he's okay. What does that mean? Just, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> laughing because I know exactly what you went through because I went through the exact same thing. And I was like, what do you mean I have to work directly with yeah. the talent? I was like, yeah. okay, what, what does that entail? Like, explain this to me. Maluma. Yeah, Maluma. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what this is. This and that. So she's like, 
just make sure he has his, his call times and that he gets lunch and he knows what he's supposed to do and his scripts are there, this and that. I was like, all right, fine. So I still wasn't paying attention. I didn't realize that the person I'm going to be working with for three days was Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So The Rock? He was awesome to work with. He was such a You know joy. he's a Taurus too, right? I didn't know that. Yes. Maybe that's how we vibe. Yes. Wait, you're a Taurus yes. too? I am. Okay. <laughs> that's I vibe, vibe with Taurus. <laughs> so I was just like, great. And I remember after that weekend exhausted my body ached my feet hurt I was hungry because I hardly ate for three days because we were doing prep and everything I remember getting home saying this is it I found my thing this is it this is cool like I'm good at this and this is was exciting because I was in production but then I got to see like stuff was happening but I didn't have to be in the mix of it but then I got the FaceTime with the talent and da 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 so all of that is kind of what started my whole like discovery into that space and realizing this is the path you need to forge forward in. So technically, just so we can kind of give it a, we know because we worked in the right. business in talent relations, but for the listener, because I think for them, I don't think listeners or people outside of the business know that there is that space within television where you work directly with, there's a department called talent relations. Um, and it basically ha- just manages everything to do with talent from booking the talent for the different shows. I mean, if you want, go ahead and explain it a little bit more. Sure. So there's, there is a difference. So there's talent relations, HR. This is not it. Cause it, I always have to preface that because people will find me on LinkedIn and, and they're just like, great. I was like, yeah, I don't do HR, like, you know, whatever, but there's HR, but this talent relations, it's kind of like the process after someone gets cast on like on a series so there's like different levels of talent relations but for the most part it's kind of what I always tell people is like we're like Grand Central Station for talent and the network and basically all information is funneled into us and we disseminate it out to the people who need it but in a way that everybody's going to understand it so there's a lot of um, managing expectations a lot of understanding a lot your like emotional you know, EQ must be high enough because then, you know, everybody processes differently. Um, we are, you know, also working with reps and and stuff so they, they know, like, what's going on. So depending on the project, exactly, it's like from start to end, this is what the expectations are, this is what's necessary, this is where we need this person, this is what they're going to do. And then when they're there, we're also there to do the FaceTime to, like, help buffer between everybody else that's requesting things. So we funnel all of that it just like with with talent, it's like they want to do everything, but it's overwhelming to have 15 people come to them to say, I need you to do this, 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 and that. So we basically streamline all of that information and make it a pleasant experience for that person so that way they can do what they do best and not feel overwhelmed. At the same time, on the flip side for like, well, at least for me, from like the network side, making sure like all those deliverables get done so that the network can do what, you know, their initiatives are also addressed. In- right. It, it's a balancing act. All the time. And another important part of your job, like internally with other departments, is when they're requesting something, you need to make sure that it's not a double request and they're not saying the same you know, line three times for three different departments. That and also managing interdepartmental expectations. There's sometimes it's like if you have a budget of a small budget, 
you're you can't get certain people with that budget. So it's managing that to say like, listen, I see what you're trying to do. I see the vision and we'll help you get there. But realistically, this is what this is what you're going to get. So let's work within this pool. And then when you know you can get a bigger budget or when you know that this is going to be tied into a bigger initiative that might be a huge opportunity in terms of across the line for all the whole network, then we can talk about this big pool or small pool of really big names that you can draw from. So there's always that balancing act. And that's, that's a challenge, but it's just, you know, something that has to happen all the time. And the relations part is important, too, because... Okay, I mean, that's yeah. that's a big part. Yes, um, because you are in contact with all these managers, these labels that do facilitate the time with the talent. You're creating those relationships that when Tasha calls, like, I don't know, Universal needs someone from there to just perform at a show, they're going to pick up that call and be like, oh, my God, it was so amazing to work with Tasha before. That's my girl. Um, of course, I'll do it. Yeah. No, I mean, that's that's... That's huge for our for our world. We have to maintain, I mean, just great relationships across the board with our in-house talent, <clears throat> with their representation, with like if you like at least for me, music touches my team as well. So we maintain really great relationships with all the labels um, and working with the artists because we do so many live events. So that is something that is an ongoing, never-ending thing. You know, like even now I get emails from people just like I know after the new year let's have a sit down let's talk I want to you know strategize what are you guys doing next year let's see how I can get some of my clients in blah 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 so that is a constant it's necessary or else you just aren't successful in this job and you proved that that was like your thing while you were at Nickelodeon yeah so that's I, how I met you yes I know doing your thing doing my thing Wait, have you guys <laughs> met on the first uh KCAs no the, no it was no, not your first Columbia. one was it the it first was the first Columbia, Columbia yeah. Oh, okay. KCAs yeah um yeah that was I mean I realized that I was this was my thing and then as I assisted Shelly and after a year she was just like you need to get off my desk and start doing this really taking this seriously which is huge yeah. of her to have yeah. that for you that's a no, good absolutely. boss no like, absolutely yeah she saw your talent and was like okay we're gonna have to yeah because she could have been selfish and been like man she's a mm -hmm. great assistant yeah. like let me just keep her there yeah no yeah she literally was just like there's an opportunity you need to go for it this is a window for you to like start managing shows go for it and so that's kind of how I got off her desk and started to work with Big Time Rush which was my first show that I dealt with and had these four young guys in my life or like five well we're st they're still in my life in some capacity but yeah and that was a huge um experience and definitely was just like oh wow this is my life but I loved it I loved every moment and then from there I had other shows and then working on the music side and then doing you know and then again of course live stuff like Kids Choice and Kids Choice Sports and so that was it was really um interesting and like I said that's when I just like dug in and allowed myself to spread my wings and own it. And that's really what I did. And that concludes part one of our conversation with Tasha DeRusso. Stay tuned for part two next week. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. Hosted by Alex and Gabby. I love you guys. Oh, yeah.